More than 3,000 airplanes have been put in storage. That's 50% of the United States active fleet. When business as normal is no longer normal, this is your economic emergency kit. Money Talks. We're back. I'm Troy Harmon here with Nick Antonucci and Jesse Thomas, and uh, this is Money Talks. Hey, Troy. Oh, hey, Nick. I was chime yeah. in. You didn't like that. I didn't respond in the intro. Well, that was early. I, I got over it now. Okay. But uh, thanks for making sure that you were heard. Yeah. Great don't, show. Don't want to miss you, Nick. Um, all right. So uh, let's move on. Why not? What do you say? We got a uh, situation we want to talk about. We got a couple of folks, and uh, names have been changed, obviously. It's the way this works. Uh, we got Catherine and Stephen, who are in their late 40s. Um, they're disappointed with the stock selection of their portfolio. Their money managers, uh, they, they've got several choices that have uh, lost significantly during the decline from uh, mid-February to late March of uh, this year. And um, they had a bunch of money in energy stocks, so uh, obviously that got kicked down pretty bad. Uh, looking at their portfolio performance, they think they're needing to pick new stocks, I guess. Um, the money manager sent them a list of different portfolios designed for their, for their range from conservative to aggressive. Uh, uh, they're, they're kind of a moderately conservative bunch, so they like stocks, but they like uh, those that pay out dividends and things of that nature. Sure. But um, <clears throat> they notice some of the stocks uh, have issues uh, that they have issues with are in all of their portfolios, all of the, the portfolios that are there. So what we want to do is, is maybe talk a little about, uh, you know, what, what the process should be for picking stocks and whether or not there's an issue. Number one, I think it's probably the easiest thing to do to go to your portfolio, look at your holdings, uh, and see what's trading at a loss, what's gained, and then make a determination that you don't like the losers, sell them, and buy the winners. But what you risk in doing that is you wind up with a, a bunch of stocks that uh, could be overvalued, which yeah. often happens. It's part of the conversation we had leading into the show. Um, you know, technology's up almost 19% year-to-date. Is that reasonable? Well, you know, Troy, what I uh, immediately think of is is kind of one of the key lessons we, we talk in the beginning is diversification, right? Right. Uh, different industries operate in differently depending on where we are in the economic cycle. Right. So you would expect in times of, uh, you know, high growth, um, utilities, consumer staples, healthcare. telecom, healthcare, those that don't really grow earnings as quickly um, are, are not going to be bid up as high as the the discretionary technology, high growth names. Right. Um, but on the other side, when, when the economy starts to slow, where do people flock to yeah. those companies that don't grow as fast, but they have predictable, stable cash flows. Yeah. Um, and you, you said one word that makes a lot of sense. Stable, yeah. predictable. I mean, those are, those are all things that you want in a, in a company that's, uh, uh, that you're using to save for your retirement for sure. Yeah. And I think something, key here is you need to it's it's absolutely smart of you to look at your individual positions and how are they performing but then you also have to dig a little deeper than that and say okay 
Now, is something inherently wrong with this business and it's going to continue to lose money? Or is the thesis and reason why you purchased that company still intact? And are you now getting it at a significantly cheaper price than what you were paying for before? Because if, if we still feel that story is intact and, and we think long term this company is going to grow, you know, at earnings at 10 percent, 12 percent, and we can now get it at a 30, 35 percent discount, we'd be silly not to add to that position. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that uh, that a lot of folks within the financial industry will try to tell you is that the stock market is efficient, meaning that it knows precisely what it's doing. And I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to point out, especially with an individual company. There are inefficiencies in the market. So I, my, my counter argument would be to look at all the trading in these bankrupt companies. Hertz. Hertz. <laughs> is that what you're talking about? Luck and coffee. I mean, right. you name it. What's the stock of the week this week that's that's going bankrupt and, and will soar hundreds of percents in a week? Yeah. So it's it's really good. I mean, look at look at your portfolio. Check out the losers. Uh, you might reassess. Do do some uh, homework. Make sure that what you own uh, still, Nick, as you said, the story is intact. But if it's if it is still intact, quite often you've bought a company that's got probably the most uh, attractive valuation in your whole portfolio. Yeah. Uh, and those that have done really well quite often, you know, the momentum plays out after a while or, you know, it doesn't take much, uh, often the market, in fact, always the market trades on expectations. So, uh, when you're looking at historic returns, you're actually tantamount to looking in the rearview mirror and trying to drive your car forward down the road. Yeah. And I think it's also important to, to understand that not everything can be foreseen. Uh, for example, the pandemic. Uh, no one no one saw that coming. It's a black swan event. And there's some things that you just can't plan for. Absolutely. And there are implications to that that will take time to reverse. So, you know, don't don't assume that this is something that could have been prevented. Um, before the break, we were talking about a situation where uh, a couple had um, basically been looking over their performance and they weren't really happy. Uh, it's you know, looking at historic performance is a is a good exercise. It's it's one of the many ways that you can uh, determine whether or not um, you're you're uh, getting what you want. Obviously, another would be if you watch it daily, and I really don't recommend that. But uh, you know, if you watch your portfolio daily and you see fluctuations in price that make you nervous, most people don't wring their hands when their uh, portfolio values increase, but uh, if it's going down more than you're comfortable with, obviously you might be taking more risk than you meant to. Uh, in this case, though, it sounds as if um, you know they were. Uh, it's a, a conservative couple. You know, wanting a, a moderately conservative portfolio, probably looking at something that gives them dividends. Nick, you talked about total return, and what that means is uh, the difference in in price or price appreciation plus dividends that you achieve. So it's uh, that's what folks mean when they talk about a total return concept. So um, another thing that we wanted to talk about, uh, you know, I mentioned. It's not always best just to look and sell the losers and buy your winners, let the big dog eat kind of concept. Uh, you you need to make sure those losers really are broken before you go selling them, because if not, you you know you might uh, struggle. I, I will point out that if you would have watched when uh, uh, between February 19th and March 23rd, the market lost 33.78 percent. If you looked at the energy sector, it lost 55%. Yeah. Now it's still down 40%, you know, as of uh, 
recording of this show that we talked about earlier uh, on a year-to-date basis. But um, from March 23rd until recently, it has also gained 55% when the overall market was up about 40. So you would have been better to hold your energy companies instead of selling. And I know that was one of their specific uh, grievances was, you know, how much energy they held. Um, If you're looking at a portfolio that is focused on dividend payers, quite often you'll have, you know, these are, these are mature companies, but in the, in the energy sector, obviously there was something bigger going on, uh, demand destruction, but at the same time, an oversupply in the market by Saudi Arabia, which drove crude oil to the floor. And uh, sure. the reason that we didn't really change anything uh, in in our recommended portfolios, uh, just as way of explanation, is because we knew that the prices that uh, were being achieved in the market weren't sustainable by the major producers. When you've got oil selling sub $20 a barrel, uh, and and the company that produces or the country that produces most of it actually sets their um, their annual budget based on maybe seventy two dollars a barrel. You know they're not going to let it stay that way that long. They're not going to ever be able to produce enough and sell it uh, enough oil and sell it to to warrant a price of twenty bucks. I mean, just think about how much you would have to overcome. It'd be more than three times normal. So, you know, when it when something like that goes on, it is wise to uh, stop and think about what what's happening um, and then make your decision based on that. It's not what's happened to this point. Uh, You know, you try to do away with the emotion. It is easy to get mad about what has happened and just decide, well, I don't want to own this anymore. But the reality is, if you keep a clear mind and decide what's going to happen next, it's always the forward looking piece that matters most. Yeah. And. You know, Troy, I, I just kind of did this brain exercise before the show just to see what it looked like. And what I did is I pulled the worst performing stocks in the S&P 500 um, for the last calendar year that we could compare the next full calendar year to. So it would be how did it perform um, in 2018 and then how did it perform in 2019? So the worst performers in 2018 were Cody. Uh, Mohawk Industries, L Brands, GE, Perigo, Invesco, Western Digital. Um, their following year's returns, Cody was up 81%. Uh, oh, Mohawk yeah. was up 16 uh, L Brands, which continues to get absolutely smashed. It's retail uh, down 25%. So that one doesn't really hold true here. But GE, 55% up. Perigo, 32% up. Which is Invesco, about market rate. 16% up. And Western Digital, 78% up. So, you, you know, it's it's a small sample. You'd really have to do kind of more data mining here and, and do a true study in it. But just because something has a bad year, bad few months, doesn't mean that it is broken or that it can't right. rebound. Well, there's an old concept, the dogs of the Dow. Quite often people just exactly. look at, you, at the, the worst Dow performing. Industrials and buy the five worst uh, performers in the previous year. That's right. And uh, and that actually has had significant outperformance of the overall market. So, uh, you know, just using that alone, which we don't really recommend. I'd rather look at the fundamentals overall yeah. and know the story. And also, the Dow is is a good sample because it's it's high quality companies. You can't just blindly do that. You can't just say, oh, this was a a loser in the previous year and buy it. You still have to have the good solid. Uh, financially strong companies that you're buying into. You don't want to buy something that could go bankrupt. Yeah, and uh, three of the things that we look at very closely, valuation, 
which means you know the price use the price ratios to determine and don't just measure them against the market overall measure them against their industry peers and sub industry peers uh, but also look at the company's history uh, in those price uh, ratios as well so like the price to book price to earnings uh, things of that nature and uh, Nick you you mentioned it earlier diversification you need to own some companies in every single sector so that you can smooth out your returns. Uh, you know, it's great. If, if you just wanted to look in the rearview mirror, you'd go out and find the best performer to date and buy that one and that one only. I mean, so, you know, just that example alone and you shows can, you it's a broken process just to look at historic returns. Right, and you can be selective within the sector. Like, I, I always harken back to us and, and financials. We don't – financials, you automatically think banks, right? Well, there's more to the financial sector than right. banks. Insurance. Insurance, um, asset managers. Sure. Um, you have things like the New York Stock Exchange, ICE, Intercontinental Exchange, yeah. CBOE. So there are – you can get creative if you want to maintain exposure to these sectors, but not necessarily like we didn't want to have banking exposure. Yeah. So we avoided that, and, and you can still maintain sector exposure and be selective. Yeah, financials are probably one of the most diversified sectors alone, you know, so – Anyway, that's uh, that's our, our situation. The one thing that you need to do for sure is make sure that you manage risk. There's an old adage, uh, you know, it's foolish to risk money that you need in an attempt to make money you don't need. Uh, the only way you know how much money you need is to talk to a financial planner. We don't have one on the show today, um, but, uh, you know, we always have financial planners around here. If you need a financial planner, uh, to help you answer that question, how much do you need to save and how much do you need to make on your savings while you do it, you can always give us a call, 770-429-9166. And uh, we would absolutely jump at the chance to answer that question for you. You're listening to Money Talks. All material presented is from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decision and is not intended to replace the advice of qualified professionals, such as tax consultants, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in the Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.